What's up, Jets fans, and welcome to a semi-emergency podcast. We are your hosts, Dylan Terman and Glenn Naughton. No, not the emergency podcast that everybody thought that they would be receiving across Jets content creators with the Dalvin Cook signing. However, that meeting is still ongoing. Instead, we do have the release of the first unofficial 2023 depth chart. And just to share our news and notes and thoughts about it, uh, instant reaction style, we're just going to hop on for a quick 15, 20 minutes. Glenn, how are we doing today? Doing good, doing good. Just uh, wrapped up a video on, the, you know, Salah saying Becton and Wilson are going to play and then sat down on the sofa and opened up Twitter and there was the depth chart. So, well, the first unofficial depth chart. So, yeah, good idea to hop on and talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. And if you haven't checked out Glenn's video about uh, Wilson and Becton playing in the Hall of Fame game, you could do that right after this quick live video. Uh, definitely going to be important. And we can start right there at the quarterback position. No surprise. Quarterback one, Aaron Rodgers. Quarterback two, Zach Wilson. And I know there was some debate on whether that would be the case or not entering the season. I know you've had your thoughts about him entering the season as quarterback two. Mm-hmm. It seems like the pendulum's swinging upward with Zach Wilson lately. I'm not going to say, you know, he's, you know, a quarterback two worthy player in this NFL right now, but he's trending in the right direction as of camp. We know he's always been a good practice player, but what are your thoughts on him getting a, a, a big look in this hall of fame game on Thursday, four days away, kind of crazy. Yeah. You got to do it, man. You got to, you know, I, I just said in the video I did it's you know, when, when, when Rogers first became a reality, like when it looked like it was going to happen, I remember saying, you know, Zach Wilson should play 90% of the snaps in the preseason, you know, which maybe that's a little high, but 75%. I'd play in the first three quarters and let the other two guys split the fourth quarter every week because, the, you know, if all goes well, well, I mean, if all goes really well, the Jets will have some blowouts and he'll play a few fourth quarter games along the way and get some live action during the regular season. But, um, you know, if there's not a, if there's not a bunch of blowouts, you know, and, and all goes well, we won't see Zach Wilson this season on the field. So this might be the most extensive action he'll get preseason or not. And the point that I've made a few times, I said it in the video a few minutes ago, it, my, my take on Zach Wilson is that all the struggles, they're mental. It's in his head. And if he can get that out of his head and if he can execute even in a preseason game, I don't care that it's a vanilla defense. I don't care that it's inferior talent. Like we need him to make the easy makeable throws that you should be able to make, whether it's a good defense or a tight defense or not. Um, if he can do that, even in even in preseason games, that's a, that that to me is a huge sign. So get him out there, get him a million reps and, and hopefully he looks better. Yeah, I've said this before on the podcast, but August like truly needs to be the month of Zach Wilson. And you said 75 to 90 percent of the snaps out the gates. And I I can get on board with the 75 percent. And like you said, you said probably three quarters of this Hall of Fame game. I was concerned. I was wondering where they would play him, maybe a quarter, maybe a half, just because you don't want too, too much of uh, Tim Boyle and Chris Strebler. But yeah, I agree. You have to play Zach. I'm now leaning like mostly of a, like the first half, if not into the third quarter of this game on Thursday, because you do need to get a true look at what this is at, at quarterback two. I think we kind of know what Tim Boyle is. He's not very accurate, especially downfield. He's just not very special. He knows the offense, so he can bring guys along. But Zach Wilson's going to be the focus. So yeah, I get on board about half half of the, the snaps in this Hall of Fame game. But moving forward, you probably would think it goes from two quarters to three quarters, probably another three quarter game, because as Salah said, the joint practices are going to be where Aaron Rodgers plays this preseason. And if he plays at all in the preseason, it'll be just against the giants. So I'm not saying that holds firm for the entire offense, but Aaron Rodgers specifically, probably maybe a quarter, maybe two against the giants. If not, it's just going to be practice. So 
Zach Wilson. The summer, the August is going to be the, the the month of Zach Wilson for sure. Uh, moving on into the offense, I thought this was interesting. This is probably just the way that they formatted it on their online uh, site, but they had three wide receiver columns and two tight end columns. Interestingly, Garrett Wilson was the starting slot receiver, not an outside perimeter receiver. That was Corey Davis and Alan Lazard. We've always said that Garrett Wilson's going to be that, you know, gadget type piece where you can move them all around. Obviously, Miko is the gadget piece, but Garrett Wilson starting in the slot. Do you think that's an actual thing or do you think they'll play him outside with maybe Lazard as the big slot? Yeah, that's what I would. I mean, that's what maybe I'm just think, saying because that's what I would do. And we've we've said a few times, you know, I, I think that's that should be the setup. I think it should be Garrett and Corey on the outsides with with uh, Lazard in the slot. He's played there a bunch. And, you know, he is a guy who can create some mismatches. In the, and really, listen, they're good enough to mix them and match them and, and move them all over the place. But in terms of where you want your base, your base offense, you know, the majority of your plays, I think that's what it should be. It should be Garrett Wilson on the outside with Davis and, and then Lazard in the slot. Yeah, I agree. And I think that from everything I've been reading in the video that came out, the back shoulder pass from Rodgers to Lazard today, it seemed like Rodgers had Lazard lined up in the slot against Jordan Whitehead one-on-one. So we'll see if that's exactly how they're used or not. Um, Offensive line, obviously we still have some injuries of note. You know, Mekhi Becton day-to-day, Dwayne Brown still on the pup. So this looks a bit jumbled for now, but right now they have Billy Turner starting left tackle, Max Mitchell starting right tackle with Makai Becton as the left tackle uh, two and Yadni Kajus surprisingly as the right tackle two. Did you think Carter Warren would be maybe a little bit higher at this point? Or do you think having Carter Warren as the third string right tackle seems about par for the course? And what are your overall thoughts on Kajus as, as far as making this roster potentially? Yeah, I don't see Kajus making the roster. I think this is, um, again, it, it's, I think they're, they have all, all or a lot of the rookies way down on the depth chart, you know, Joe Titman's three, um, Carter Warren's three. So, you know, making these guys earn it, so to speak. I think um, Kajus is a guy who, you know, he makes Makai Becton look like, uh, you know, Lou Gehrig, um, you know, and just he's missed several seasons and the seasons he has been active, he's, he misses a ton of games. So I don't see him making the roster. I think the, you know, the, the, and, you know, we talked about this before we went live. As much as I think Becton's the most talented tackle on the roster, I think if Billy Turner – no, sorry, not Billy – if Max Mitchell were to win a job, you know, win that right tackle job, beat Mekhi Becton outright, um, it would be shocking, but it wouldn't be bad. You know, it would be, it'd be nice to have a guy – because, look, the, the Becton stuff, I, I, I'm trying not to read too much into it, but, you know, and I talked about it last week, the, you know, Samini saying, you know, hot take or – sorry, bull take, did he get traded and – Brian Costello said Turner would start like I'm I'm a big Becton guy, but I'm not as I said at the time of that interview that he did. I think he burned a lot of bridges in the building. And I think if he's competing for a spot and even if it's close, if if they're like splitting hairs between him and Mitchell, I think Mitchell might get that job, um, you know, if it's close. But if Becton comes out and plays to his full potential, he's the best tackle on the roster and he should start. Yeah, I certainly agree with that. If it is close, they probably will lean with the guy that has given them less problems throughout the past, you know, year and a half or whatever, whether it's in the news or at practice or what have you. And I think I think if Max Mitchell is the guy, and we talked about this last week with Chris Schubert doing our offensive line series, if you want Max Mitchell to start, I think your expectations do need to be somewhat lowered. Obviously, last year he had zero expectations, so he outperformed expectations if you don't have any. This year, there will be expectations if he wins the starting job from Mekhi Becton. People will think that he is 
a very good tackle. And I'm not saying he can't be, but I don't think right now coming off his scary injury that he should be looked at as, you know, a, a solid or a great piece of this offensive line. He comes with a lot of question marks. So it will be interesting to see how it shakes out. Could just, I don't think is going to make the roster. You mentioned Titman as the uh, third center in practice. He certainly is behind Wes Schweitzer. On the depth chart, they have him as number two with Schweitzer as the left guard two behind Lake and Tomlinson. I thought that was interesting because last week I said Schweitzer could push Tomlinson for time at left guard if Tomlinson doesn't show up like he did last year. What are your thoughts on that being a potential battle? Because it seems like McGovern's going to win and they want to do everything they can to get Tittman ready to be the center of the future. Yeah, I think uh, I think for at least the early part of the year, we're going to see McGovern start. Schweitzer, when they signed him, and I went back and watched some of his games in Washington, he didn't he wasn't all that impressive as a center. Um, but mm-hmm. everyone in camp is saying that he, he's looking good and he's a legitimate competitor for that spot. So he's a guy who's going to be interesting to watch this week because he's uh, he's earning some some solid reviews. And obviously, it's not as if he's going against a soft interior defensive line when he's lining up. So hopefully he surprises us and, and you know, the Jets have another quality interior lineman on their hands. Um, the interesting one to me is Cologne, though, um, you know, added him as a free agent, but he mm-hmm. might not. He's a guy I, I did a 53 the other day and I don't think I had him making it. It's like there's just too many bodies in there. Um, but when I watch again, he's a guy who hasn't played a ton. But when I went back and watched his all 22, I came away kind of impressed. I was like, not a lot of action, but looks like a solid player. Um, so going to be interesting to see what happens with him. Yeah, I had him as a practice squad potential player because you can't keep three centers, especially center specific. I know a lot of these guys could potentially have guard versatility and getting on to Schweitzer. I thought he was a better guard than a center after I watched him as well. So definitely going to be interesting how they use the chess pieces on the interior, but a lot of good competition, even if it's like, okay, we know Lakin's the starter, but there's good competition behind him that if he starts to, you know, falter a little bit in September, October, we have good depth behind him. Uh, Before we flip over to the defense, though, we do have a a question in here from Ruth. Um, I want you – I know you want to talk about the depth, but how about the smackdown by Rodgers on Sean Payton? Um, I thought that was pretty good. Rodgers defending Nathaniel Hackett. Um, Obviously, Sean Payton backpedaled his comments, just like Darrell Revis in press man coverage, just just as smoothly. So had his analyst hat on, not his coaching hat. I thought that his comments were – a little misguided to begin with and uh, Rogers kind of put him in his place a little bit, but in a respectful way, obviously Rogers knows how to use his words and be effective with them without having to come out and, and plaster a guy on the wall. But he said what he needed to say. Now go throw for 475 up in Denver mile high, the kicks sail a little bit further, but I think Rogers deep pass could too, if he gets it up there in that altitude. So what are your thoughts on Rogers and the, the Sean Payne stuff? Yeah, look, he clearly didn't take, you know, take it uh, lightly. He's we've we've said it before. He uh, he loves Nate like a brother, you know, Nathaniel Hackett's his guy. So if you're going to come out and say he was responsible for one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL, um, Aaron Rodgers is going to speak up. And he did. Um, I think it's just a, a you know, it, it's funny that what Peyton said is his reply, because that was kind of my thought after I read the comments. I was like, not not so much that he. I, I just thought he sounds more like a commentator than a coach with that comment. Like that sounds like you would say something that sounds like something you would say as an analyst, yep. not as a coach. And I think that's, I think he's not wrong in what he said in terms of like, I had my Fox hat on and not my coaching hat on. Well, that's your fault. Like you're not with Fox anymore. You're a coach now. So choose your words carefully. Um, but at the same, like say what you mean, if you mean that fine, I've, 
I have no problem. Like, it's not the most professional thing, but if he thinks it's true, I'm, I'm kind of, it's kind of refreshing that we know what he really thinks um, because I'm sure this isn't stuff he'd be saying if he had, you know, thought about it for a second beforehand. Um, but just a, a weird, a, a guy, you know, if anyone's going to say that, you would think maybe not a guy who got suspended for paying players to hurt each other. Um, cause then as we've heard, you know, we've heard several players bring up the bounty gate thing since then, when you have a blemish that big on your record, probably, probably not a great idea to go around criticizing other head coaches. Cause then you're just going to have everyone reminding you that, you know, you're not the, uh, you're far from impeccable yourself. Yeah. The, the world of the internet seems to keep infinite receipts on everybody. So you have to be careful in what you say, especially when you're, you're up there. The one thing I like about Sala and Rogers together, like, and you can compare the two this way is they don't let people talk bad about their guys. Obviously, you know, Rogers has had his tips with guys on the Packers that he wasn't really like familiar with or like in love with, but if it's one of his guys, he's not going to let somebody say anything bad about them. And Sala is the same way. Most of his comments were because of the Hackett comments, not because of the 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 other side of what Sean Payton said. It was once he mentioned Hackett, I felt like Robert Sala felt like he needed to step in and defend his coaches. And he does the same thing. Yeah. We've seen it with Mike LaFleur. Even though he's gone, he still defended him with a couple of questions after he left and said it wasn't his fault or John Benton's fault. So this is kind of what the Jets do and they defend their own, which I love to see. And and I, I think week five can't come quick enough for anybody. If they could flex the scheduling of that game, I think that they would to make that a primetime game because popcorn's already in the microwave for week five when the Jets go to Denver. Uh, yeah. We can get back into the depth chart stuff. Uh, defensive line, Jets probably best room in the entire organization. Um, they have a, a fun starting offensive line. I think it's kind of chalk, but the secondary uh, def- or defensive line, excuse me, is where I think it gets interesting. JFM, Quinnen, Al Woods, Carl Lawson, that's your first line. Seems pretty standard. Two big ends. Quinnen, your, your pass rushing explosive guy, and Al Woods, your run stuffer, traditionally your run stuffer, but who is excited to learn how to pass rush in this system, pin his ears back and go. The second line, Jermaine Johnson, Quentin Jefferson, Solomon Thomas, and Michael Clemens. So you have both your second-year guys in as the second defensive ends, which leaves Bryce Huff and Will McDonald as the third edges, probably fighting for that third down specific role together. Obviously they're both going to make this team unless they feel like Bryce Huff is a trade piece, which I hope they don't because depth is uh, two years ago, we were begging for edges. And now like we have so many, some people feel like we're able to let some go, but I don't think that's the case. How do you think uh, Will McDonald and her, how long do you think Will McDonald will last as the edge three alongside Bryce Huff? You know, look, again, at the at the rate that they rotate guys out, it's almost not going to matter matter whether you're the one, the two, or the three. You're going to get your playing time. I, what's going to be interesting is how much playing time he gets because you look at you know Jermaine Johnson was a first round pick last year, and he you know he wasn't he didn't go as early, but he still played what 30 percent. So McDonald looks like you know he's so long and explosive. I just I feel like he has the potential to be a much better pure pass rusher. So you would think he'd get more opportunities, especially again if things go according to plan and teams are having to throw the ball to 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 stay in games with the Jets. Um, I would imagine he's going to play more this year than than Johnson did last year. But in terms of where they are on the depth chart, I just I don't see it mattering. Guys are going to get on the field. They're going to play, um, and it's I. I wouldn't be shocked if we see Huff get dealt because they have guys who can eat those reps up and they're a team that doesn't have a lot of picks next year. If they feel like they can get a three for Huff, then I think maybe they move him. 
yeah, I think the range of outcomes for Bryce Huff is anywhere from being moved for even good performance, being moved at a high cost, or even getting a, an extension with this team. Uh, just for a little bit of context, last year in 14 games, Bryce Huff played 16.6% of the defensive snaps. And Jermaine Johnson, over 14 games, played 28.24% of the snaps. So if I'm looking at Will McDonald, even though he probably doesn't have the body frame of a Jermaine Johnson like he did last year, I still think you got to at least give him that Bryce Huff usage, 15 to 20 snaps a game. If you could get him up to 25% of the snaps a game, that'd be great. I mean, the defense is going to be theoretically in a lot of situations in like neutral scoring you know, tie ball games, close ball games, even winning in ball games. You know, we, we want to see Zach Wilson in the fourth quarter of all these winning games. But if they're keeping it close or they have a lead, Jermaine Johnson, Will McDonald, Bryce Huff, they're all going to get their rotations. But I hope Will McDonald gets more. He was a 15th overall pick. You don't want to come in here and play him seven, eight, nine snaps like they did some games yeah. with Bryce Huff. Or we'll be back here bagging our head on the wall again. Like it's week I, six I just, and I can't see it happening. Maker. I can't. I, I especially think he'll be a guy, you know, I've made the point before. I think you're going to see him a lot to close out games, you know, when, when teams mm-hmm. are throwing the ball to, to get back in it and uh, you want to just pressure guys and not give them time to throw. I think that's, that's where he has an opportunity to shine. Yeah. Abby fresh in the comments says that he thinks, or, they think that uh, McDonald will have at least five sacks. And I think five is a, a perfectly I th- I th- fine number. Yeah. I, it could I be would more. Think, it could be I could see it being eight to ten, dep- exactly. depending, on, depending on snap count, you know, depending on how much they get him on the field. He's got the tools. And and again, it's it, a lot of it just comes down to how loaded this D-line is. Like, guys are going to have opportunities. You know, you can't double everybody. And he's going to get some chances. So I think five is a pretty, pretty modest um, estimate. I would say eight to ten would, wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, real quick before we move on to the back seven, you have even whoever your edge is, Carl Lawson, Quinnen Williams, Al Woods, and then even Will McDonald on the field. There's no way you're not doubling Quinnen Williams. You could look to put two two set of eyeballs on Carl Lawson. Then you have yep. Al Woods and Will McDonald one-on-one. It's just silly, the, the amount of combinations. And uh, Chris and, and I will get into the defensive line this week. Wednesday show, not Thursday. We have a game this Thursday. Oh, the smiles! I can hear and, them. I can hear and, them throughout Jess Land. There's a, it's, a game it's so on nice. And and that's it, man. Now to the Super Bowl, we got college, NFL, something every weekend. But that's I'm exciting. I'm curious to see if if McDonald is as good as we're hoping. It could be that after three, four, five weeks, he's the one getting doubled, and Carl Lawson is seeing the single teams. And that's even sp- more spectacular because Carl, we've seen Carl Lawson, what he can do, especially off the Achilles injury, seven sacks last season in a season where he was probably supposed to rest more than he did. So that's kind of his superpower is bouncing back and being stronger. So if he can flirt with double digit sacks, that's just great. I feel like we'll, this year will be the year that there will be two double digit sack guys in Salah's defense. Moving on to the linebackers. Um, a little thin. I feel like it's been thin. Obviously, they never added Quan Alexander, and they they no longer have that chance. He's now a Pittsburgh Steeler. Robert Sala wished him well, said he was a great player to play, uh, to have and coach, and he was just always brought the juice in the locker room. But that means next man up, and that's Jamie and Sherwood, uh, Zaire Barnes, Hamza Nazruddin to a lesser degree. Those guys are all going to get their shot at linebacker three. But for right now, Jamie and Sherwood is the uh, linebacker three, the starting linebacker on the depth chart with Zaire Barnes behind him, Chaz Surratt behind C.J. Mosley at the mic, and then Hamza Nasruddin behind Quincy Williams. So what are your thoughts on those six uh, linebackers, and do you think they can keep six, or do you think six is way too many? 
Uh, yeah, I, I think six is going to be tough. Um, I do like a lot of these guys. I think I need to stop saying Sage Surratt when I'm talking about Chaz Surratt. Oh, I think right. I've done it, yep. I think I've done it twice already. Sage was his brother who was a wide receiver for Wake Forest who I was watching before I was watching Chaz. And I really liked Sage, but he uh, his 40 times were just terrible. He didn't I, – I think he's – I don't know where he is right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, I got to stop saying Sage. Uh, Chaz Surratt, he's a guy that I liked. And um, there's – you know, again – I. I think Nasruddin is the one guy I look at and wonder, is he going to stick? I know he did a nice job on specials, but, you know, we've talked before about how he was he, – he got drafted and was handed a starting job, and it took him about six quarters to lose it, and we haven't seen him since really. He's played, you know, what, 15, 20 snaps since losing that starting job two years ago. Yeah, we talked off air before we went live about Hamza and just his fit, and I think it comes down to special teams. If he's like head and shoulders above the next linebacker on special teams, and Brent Boyer's really you know pounding the table for him, but how many guys is Brent Boyer going to be able to pound the table for as as you know you know special teams only guys? And I feel like Zaire Barnes could take that role if Hamza's not that guy. So I think six is too many, maybe four might be the ideal number depending on what they do with uh, a, a position we're going to talk about in, in a few minutes with safety. But I think Zaire Barnes should have the inside track over Hamza based on just what his abilities are and being an, a draft pick earlier and Hamza probably can get out of his contract. So that moves us to the cornerback position, probably the second strongest position on the entire team uh, outside of defensive line. Obviously the starters we know, Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed, Michael Carter, uh, Eccles, Hall, and Gidry are the backups, and then it just kind of trickles down from there. Jimmy Moreland is the third cornerback, who I think Jimmy Moreland should be talked about more. We're obviously a deep room at cornerback, but Jimmy Moreland has made some plays. So is Derek Langford, the undrafted free agent this season. Yeah. Then you have Justin Hardy, who I feel like Justin Hardy is the special teams guy that if you're yeah. going to keep any of them, that's the one. Yeah, and I, I like Langford, um, Washington State guy, so I saw a fair bit of him. You know, I watched a lot of them this year. Um, cause they had a lot of guys I liked, of course, Dan Henley and the Cam Ward, the quarterback who I really like. Yep. So I, I saw a fair bit of him big hitter, like the way given his size and his length, he's six, two, he's got good length and a big time hitter. Like I really thought when the jets grabbed him that we'd see them work with him at safety. Um, but they've kept him at corner where he has made some plays. So I'm excited to see him and you know, the, these corners, uh, you know, I've, I've talked before about how this, this team is you know, so much of their success is tied to the corners because they're just so good. Um, God forbid they lose anybody for any length of time. You're going to need somebody to step up. I think Eccles, of course, you know, we saw him last year jump Hall on the depth chart. So I wonder if Hall might be trade bait when all things, you know, when everything shakes out. And uh, and then, of course, you know, that, that'll that give Lank for the chance to hang around. And, you know, of course, uh, Bernard Converse has some experience at corner, but he's he's at safety right now. So there's they have some options back there, but behind Reed, you know, Reed, uh, Sauce, and and uh, Eccles, I like them as a top three. And, you know, of course, uh, Michael Carter at the slot. And Gid- Gidry played a little bit outside when he was with the Jets a couple of years ago. Yep. He wasn't great, yep. but, he's you know, he's got elite speed. He's got, you know, he's, he's as fast as anybody. So if they think he can do both, play slot and, uh, and boundary, that gives him a shot. Yeah, I think the the wild card in all of this is Brandon Eccles missing one game on suspension. So they might be uh, doing some roster gymnastics. Perhaps they practice squad a Moreland or a Langford. And then once Eccles comes back from suspension, they can do something with Bryce Hall. And then one of those guys can get their shot as the cornerback four because, yeah, it's a loaded position. And just tying it all together with what you were saying before is Quentin Williams reached out to DJ Reader, vice versa, when he got the contract in. 
Quinnen said, hey, it's all because of you guys out in the back. So we've talked about it all season. Quinnen makes the cornerbacks better. The cornerbacks make Quinnen better. And it goes just hand in hand on that defense. Yep. Uh, this is this is the sketchier part of the depth chart here. Uh, a lot of question marks. The safety position. Right now, the two starters are Jordan Whitehead and Tony Adams. So that means Adrian Amos, the newest addition, uh, the replacement for Chuck Clark. He is on the backups with Ashton Davis rotating. I guess that's the three, four safeties. And then you have Waters and Dean. Uh, you're both undrafted free agents as your third slot on both sides. Bernard Converse, who you mentioned, he's still on the pup. And then Dane Crookshank rounds it out. He was just signed. I feel like he's more of a camp body. I feel like Amos in the secondary, in the in the, the backup role, could be important. I feel like we've heard a lot of this three-safety talk going around Twitter. Um, camp, They've I feel like they've used a lot of three-safety stuff. They're not really giving out concepts because why would they give out concepts in the tweets and stuff that they're reporting? But Amos does seem to potentially have that quality backup role. Maybe they do want to put him out into the big nickel in the slot against tight ends like Mike Gesicki, Hunter Henry of the Patriots. So what are your thoughts on Adrian Amos and and Tony Adams? I mean, come on, free safety one, just keep that train chugging. I love it. Yeah, um, I I actually tweeted yesterday. Do we say tweeted or do we say I X'd? I X'd yesterday. That, no, we uh, tweet. We okay, tweet. We, we don't still X. Tweet. That sounds I, so dumb. I, right? I tweeted on X. I don't think anyone is saying X, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but but as as I tweeted on X um, uh, yesterday, and you know, we you always have to have the caveat, right? That that PFF isn't a perfect science, but they're you know they're the number one program out there for for grading every player and every play. And I know I know their their metrics are flawed, but at least they're using the same metrics for everyone. So um, I looked up the 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 coverage grades for the Jets safeties last year, and initially I left Amos out um, and just included the guys that were on the Jets roster last season. And um, but throwing him in there, so so last year, and this is for those unfamiliar, it's, it's out of a hundred. Um, Jordan Whitehead had the highest grade, highest coverage grade for Jets safeties at seventy point six, and then Tony Adams, who only played a handful of snaps as a UDFA, was sixty one point eight. So he was the second best guy on the roster. Um, in coverage at safety, despite being a, a UDFA, Tony Parks, 56.8, uh, Joyner, LaMarcus Joyner, 53.4, and uh, bringing up the rear, Adrian Amos, 45.6, um, and, the, you know, the Packers were, appeared more than happy to let him go, I didn't see any reports of them trying to retain him, so they clearly were unhappy with the way he played, um, if we're listening to PFF, uh, you know, there's a reason why he was let go. So I think everyone just assuming he's going to step in and take that starting spot that, that was vacated by Clark. I think they might be getting ahead of themselves. And it wouldn't surprise me if the two primaries were Joyner and Adams. And uh, and then, you know, look, I like some of the young guys, you know, Bernard Converse, of course, the draft pick. Um, Trey Dean, the kid out of Florida who, you know, I think we both I know we talked about him this year and I know I talked about him last year. I can't remember if you had thoughts on him last year coming out of Florida when not last like, year, just this when year. it when it. Yeah, when it looked like he might come out. I watched a bit of him uh, last year. And then, of course, uh, Marquise Waters, who I've I've. I think his versatility, I don't think I'd put him on my 53. I forget, but I had a hard, if I didn't, I had a hard time not putting, because I mean, he is, he's played both linebacker spots. He's played inside, outside. He's played safety. He's played slot. So he can do a little bit of everything. I, I, you know, almost sitting here rethinking, like you got to find a way to get a guy like that on the, cause I feel like that was going to be Chuck Clark's role. And that's why the Jets brought him in. So they could have a guy who can do it all. And now they don't have that guy. And, and the closest thing they have there is Waters. So wait, wait, where is he on the depth chart? Did you say him? Out of curiosity, Waters and Dean are both the safety threes. Threes, yeah. yeah. So but I, I, I would think one or both of those guys will land on the practice squad and maybe one on the roster. 
Yeah, I, I certainly think, to your point, Chuck Clark threw the ultimate wrench in their plan at safety, and maybe that is a blessing in disguise with the emergence of Tony Adams being that free safety, you know, true free safety. But if they had Tony Adams, Chuck Clark, Jordan Whitehead, I'd feel a lot better than I do with having Amos in there because Amos is not as versatile as a Chuck Clark was. So it does throw a big wrench into the plans, but it will be interesting to see which of those, if any of the UDFAs make it to the 53. I think both have the best shot of all the UDFAs to make the practice squad if they don't make the 53, because perhaps the team just says, Hey, we're not in a position to keep developmental guys as a third safety, but if they show something over the next course of this month, I mean, anything's up for grabs at that position specifically. Mm -hmm. So any, any final thoughts? Uh, Special teams is pretty chalk. We know Zerloin, uh, Morstead, those are your guys. And then uh, Thomas Hennessy is the long snapper, no competitions. I think we're at a point where this roster is too good to have competitions at those spots. So don't waste a roster spot. Yeah. Morstead, you know, he's, he's a, uh, he's been around for a million years. He was uh, much better last year than, than what Braden Mann was. Um, he's a, you know, there's a couple some of these ex jets, these guys that got let go as, as young guys, like I'm curious, like, especially punter, like punter really gets me. I'm like, listen, I understand pro college, different game, different level, different speed, all that, but you're punting the ball away. You know, it's not like it's not, it can't be that much different to where you're booming mm-hmm. 70 yarders at Texas A&M. And then you come to the NFL and you're shanking everything. Like what's right. going on here? Like that, that shouldn't be a thing. It's not like, oh, I created so much separation in college, but now these DBs are faster in the NFL. Like that I get, but punting the football away, like 70 yards, 40 yards, what what changed? So I'm curious to see how he does. And Elijah Moore, I'm really curious to see, um, getting off track a little bit there. But some of these guys I feel like did some things really well, and, and I'm curious to see how they carry on. But, yeah, Morstead, big-time upgrade. Um, Zerline, it's nice to finally have a kicker. Um, too many years of revolving door at that position. And and to have a kicker who, you know, if in a big spot might be able to hit a 65 yarder. Yeah, today was his first miss of camp. I believe it was either 53 or 63, but yeah, he's it was, been I, lights I think it was, out I think it was 63. I think it was Yeah, 63. exactly. So so he's been lights out. Uh real quick, you mentioned it, Elijah Moore, as in young players leaving and you want to follow them. Uh Denzel Mims, does he make the 53 for Detroit or does the pick swap become null and void? Uh, honestly, I don't, I haven't looked at their depth chart. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know who he's competing with. I know they have Mm -hmm. some good receivers there, but, um, very curious to see because I really, I I don't, you know, I get that sometimes guys flash as rookies and then they fade, but based on what he did at Baylor and based on what he did as a rookie, I truly believe he was going to be a really good receiver. Um, and I don't know. I mean, it, things could not have gone any worse for him between the penalties, the injuries, the drop, like every single thing he could do wrong. You know, it would take he would go weeks and weeks without getting on the field, get on the field, false start. You know, yeah. it's like, Jesus, you, you literally like, OK, maybe he was too hype. Maybe he was too excited because he's been waiting five weeks to get on the field drop, you know, and it's like, oh, my God, like he couldn't get out of his own way and stuff like that kind of along the lines of Zach, like stuff like that does become mental and you get in your own head. And sometimes maybe that fresh start, um, you know, he's not going to, you can't play for a more enthusiastic head coach than what he's got right now. So I'm rooting for the guy, you know, like, I'm not like, I'm not going to be like watching lions games and, you know, buying a Mims Jersey, but uh, you know, I, I wish the kid, well, I, I hope he gets an opportunity and I hope he makes some plays and, and I hope he makes the roster because the Jets are going to need all the picks they can get. 
yeah, I think similarly to men, it became a mental thing with both of them. And it was just kind of the writing on the wall is if you're not going to stick around now, it's going to be harder down the road for you to stick around. So I'm excited to watch it happen. I think the Jamison Williams suspension helps Denzel Mims make the roster because he's not going to be there for six games and they can do it whatever after that. If they and make now, the trade happen, and now these receivers they have, right? Like we talked the other day about yep. Brownlee, like Irv Charles. I want to see Irv Charles. Exactly. You know, he's a guy last year, you know, as I've said, not a, you can't find a lot on him on on YouTube or Caddy. Like he played at like you know California, Pennsylvania College, whatever it was, Indiana, Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's sometimes I think they make these schools up. I'm like, I don't think this guy even went to college. It's Indiana, Pennsylvania. Um, but listen, he's a guy who you look at the size, speed, and the, the, the very limited action. Um, where you could find him playing at Penn State, and and the fact that he's he's hung around, they've kept him around for another year, and he's getting some little bit of love from Aaron Rodgers. So. I want to see these guys play and uh, hopefully, hopefully some of, you know, some of these guys, some of these young kids who you, you love to have those developmental kids who can contribute and they're not killing the salary cap. Like, and, and I think Brownlee, Gibson, Charles, like some of these receivers are going to get an opportunity to, to catch some footballs this week. Yeah, barring injury, we should see all of them have all 22 to break down on all the receivers, see who's really going to push for that wide receiver six, maybe even wide receiver five spot. It's going to be exciting. Like I said, we're here four days away from a game being played. It's the Hall of Fame game. No starters, but Zach Wilson and Mekhi Becton are headlining the, the, the twos, I guess, the, the starters for that game. So it's going to be really exciting. We'll be back on Wednesday, Chris and I, to break down the defensive line. Glenn and I couldn't be back anytime. There's a, a Cook signing or any other news that needs to be dropped. I'm not sure when you go on vacation, but I'll pick up for you doing the solos of the news drops when that happens. But for now, you can follow Glenn on Twitter or X at JN radio underscore Glenn. That's Glenn with two N's. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter or X at D Terman. I'm never going to get it right. Uh, follow jet nation on all social media platforms. We appreciate it. We always appreciate your viewership, your comments, like comment, subscribe really helps us along with the algorithm. And until next time, let's go jets. It's game week. Hell yeah.